When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 168 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are discussing intentional living strategies at home. Intentionality is about knowing your purpose and about letting that purpose guide your actions as they relate to your family, your work, your finances, your environmental impact, your spirituality, and all other aspects of your life. My absolute favorite quote that I write on the top of my planner every single morning is, of course, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. I always joke that I don't want to be remembered as the woman who did a great load of laundry. (laughs) And so this quote really makes me reflect on a daily basis about what I do want my life to be defined by. But that said, it's easy to revert to living on autopilot, right? It's too easy, in fact, to be blown off track by both the little as well as the big snags in the plan, like the minutiae of household duties or the oversized year-long pandemic we're currently in and everything in between. On today's show, I am speaking with Desiree Endress. If you love podcasts, you probably already know Desiree, and that's because she is the host of the With Intention podcast, formerly Minimalish. On today's show, Desiree is offering up some of her best intentional living tips as they relate to steering the course at home. Enjoy my chat with Desiree. Desiree, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really thrilled to talk to you. I've been following your own podcast for a while now. For my listeners who aren't yet acquainted with you, please go ahead and introduce yourself and your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm so excited to get to talk with you today. So thanks for having me on as well. As you said, my name's Desiree. Um, I'm a mom of a three-year-old daughter and a wife. And I also am a 12th grade English teacher and a podcaster. And (laughs) there's just a lot going on on a daily basis, but it's all things that I really enjoy and love. So that's me in a nutshell. You can find me at um, the With Intention podcast, which recently changed. It used to be a, the Minimalish podcast. And I like to talk about a realistic version of minimalism, but I really focus in on just the intentional living part of that. Um, minimalism kind of led me 
more so to intentional living. And I, I found that I liked talking about just like the practice living it out in everyday life versus the practical, tangible decluttering stuff a little bit better. So that's kind of where I shifted to and that's what I'm doing now. I totally agree with what you just said. I feel as though, you know, I have a minimalist podcast, but there's only so many episodes you can conduct on decluttering, right? So I love how you kind of switched towards all the facets of intentional living. But before we get there, I want you to please explain to me and all my listeners how you first found yourself on this journey towards living a more minimalist and more intentional adulthood. Yeah. So I was everything, like, I feel like I was the absolute opposite of minimalist um, for most of my life. I grew up in a home that was like, I mean, it was a a great childhood, but I had whatever I wanted when I wanted it. And not in that sounds bad, like super spoiled, but it's just, there was a lot of like focus on consumerism. I feel like I would have never thought of it like that, but I just know I had a lot of toys as a kid and there was a lot of clutter. I can remember it. And, um, as I grew into a teenager and had my own job, I would like use all of my babysitting money (laughs) and go and buy myself clothes. And I had just like piles of clothes in my room, which I think is a, it can be typical for a teenage girl, but um, not necessarily healthy. Right. (laughs) So that's just what it looked like before. And even going into my marriage, I actually married someone who was like a much more tidy person than I am. And more of a neat freak. I am the opposite of that. And I still am the opposite of that. But I never really thought it was a problem to have mess and clutter around me. And I think, you know, financially, it got out of hand as well. So we, I mean, simply put, we discovered minimalism through the minimalist documentary. We discovered I I put it on, I enjoyed documentaries. And I had just had a baby, I think she was like four months old. And I was kind of I I had like several part-time jobs because I wanted to be home with her. So I went from full-time teaching at that time to part-time and I had to pick up some other at-home part-time jobs. And so what I'm trying to explain is that like, it wasn't just stuff for me. It was more than that. It was the way I was living my life just felt super overwhelming. So it was that classic, like I'm putting Netflix on waiting for my husband to get home because I'm working from home today and um, I'm overwhelmed as a new mom type of thing. And I just stumbled upon that documentary. It looked interesting. And I remember pausing it as soon as I started it thinking like, oh, my husband will love this too. And we watched it and we started decluttering that day. Like it was that motivational. Um, So that's really where it started for us. And from there, we really saw so much of a difference like in in our marriage and just as new parents in our level of overwhelm. And it helped us not only question the stuff in our life, but, you know, the lifestyle we were living. We ended up moving a few months later because we realized we wanted to be near family and we could make that happen. It's something we talked about for years, but we just never did it because, you know, things didn't perfectly align. But we realized 
you know, why aren't we living the life that we want to live? Hmm. Same for me. It was, you know, really similar. I was introduced to minimalism, the term. I started decluttering and my stress and anxiety really felt relief quite quickly. And so it was more of a snowball effect. It was then applying the tenets of minimalism to not just the stuff, but also other aspects of my life. And so that's what I really want to get into today. Talk to me about the moment where you realized for you, minimalism was less about the number of toys or the amount of stuff in your home and more about intentionality. Yeah. We had moved, um, like I said, minimalism brought us to moving and we downsized uh, and it became like such a big life change for us. We originally were in a four bedroom house with three people. We didn't need that much space and we had just like rooms full of stuff. And so we moved to a much smaller two bedroom house when we did move because we just needed to make a lot of lifestyle changes to make that move work. We realized we didn't need as much space. And it felt like a story I was ready to share. So I started sharing about minimalism and I initially brought my husband along with me to share it and started just talking about our journey because we were really early into the journey on the podcast and just sharing um, how it changed our life. And pretty quickly, I started to feel like that imposter syndrome that most people will feel whenever they're like sharing something online or even writing a book or whatever it might look like, because you realize you're exposing yourself, like you're sharing your story and other people might have different opinions of than you of what, you know, for this, in this example of what minimalism should look like. And I, I realized that pretty early on because I was early in my journey and I was sharing about it, I started to feel like an imposter. I started to, people started to find me on Instagram. And then I realized there were a lot of other people practicing minimalism out there. And it looked like they were doing it a lot better than me. It looked like, you know, their version of minimalism is what I needed to strive towards. But once I started down that road, I realized minimalism was feeling like constricting basically. And it was the opposite of what it initially was. Initially it was a, it was freedom. It was freeing myself, like you said, from anxiety and stress. And now it felt like it was bringing that back upon me because, okay, I'm not doing it enough. I'm not minimalist enough. I don't have a utensil drawer. It doesn't look perfect enough. And I have too many spoons or do I have too many spoons or what's the right amount? And at that point, I realized, okay, this is not, I don't think this is for me because this is not who I am. Like when it came to who I am versus what minimalism quote unquote should look like and what I was seeing online, it didn't line up. And what I realized is that the other things that minimalism was was doing for me is what I wanted to focus on. And I started to focus on, okay, what's at the heart of this? It's about like stripping away what other people say life needs to look like and learning what is a happy life or what is a fulfilled life look like for me and for my family. Hmm. What's really interesting to me about your response is that for you, minimalism was kind of the gateway into living an entire life that's rooted in intention. And that's similar to 
my experience because minimalism was the start, decluttering was step one, and then that umbrellaed into living a more eco-conscious and eco-minimalist lifestyle. And so what's interesting is that minimalism wasn't the end goal. A decluttered house wasn't the end goal for you, and it wasn't the end goal for me. You mentioned something else that I really wanted to touch on, which was the imposter syndrome, I believe you called it. I totally hear and empathize with you on that point because it seems as though the public <laughs> thinks that because you know you ha- or I have a podcast, we must be the best minimalists out there. We're doing it absolutely perfectly, and we're not. I'm not. You said you are not, and I don't think we have to be. So I, I just want to say that I hear that, and I have stuff in my house. I'm not completely eco-perfect. But that doesn't mean that we can't then also perhaps share our journeys and create a community around striving to be better. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that when you're in the middle and you're sharing and or even, you know, you can think of it as in the middle or just on the journey, wherever you are, wherever you fall on that journey and you're sharing about it, which, you know, social media and the online world give us an easy way to do that there it makes it realistic for others it introduces this concept and this you know new i i don't want to say way of living but i guess that's what it is um in a way that seems realistic and approachable because it's you you don't have to be perfect or on the other side or doing it perfectly i don't know if anyone ever gets there and if they do i mean if it looks like they do i just don't think that's realistic I don't think it's this lifelong, I don't think there even is an necessarily like a clear end goal other than just living it out and continuing to learn along that journey. Like there's going to be shifts and changes and ebbs and flows along that. So yeah, I don't think there's ever, like if someone listening is thinking like, this has really been such a big change for me, whether it's like eco-minimalism for them or just decluttering their house or whatever it looks like. This has been such a big change for me. I want to share it with either a friend or I want to share it online or I want to share it with my family, but I don't feel qualified. I don't feel like I'm doing it well enough yet. I would definitely challenge that because, you know, sharing our stories is how we encourage others to change. And if it's something that has helped us or something we're passionate about or something that we think can be even, you know, change the world or, benefit the world in some way, then yeah, it's something that you should share in all of its imperfections, you know, within you that that's the best place to come from, I think is a place of like, no, I don't have to be 100% expert, I can share this and be, you know, flawed, and it can encourage others that it's realistic, it's doable, and they can do it in their own way as well. The Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is supported by Aero Garden. If you live in a cold weather climate like me, outdoor gardening may be inaccessible to you for up to half of the year. But February is indoor gardening month, and so there has never been a better time to get serious about growing your own herbs, vegetables, salad greens, and more with Aero Garden. 
I love that Arrow Garden makes indoor gardening super easy, super tasty, and worry-free. Just insert the pre-seeded pots into your Arrow Garden and add water. Because plants are grown hydroponically, they grow five times faster than a traditional outdoor garden, no green thumb required. Most plants are ready to harvest in four to six weeks and will keep producing harvests for six months or longer. Find the Arrow Garden model that's right for you and get 20% off site-wide with code MINIMAL at checkout. That's AERogarden.com with code MINIMAL at checkout. Now back to the interview. I really want to talk to you today about your daily life, your everydays. I feel as though when we talk about living a life that's rooted in intentionality, we have to start first <laughs> with, of course, that morning routine. So I'm hoping you're, you'd be willing to walk us through your morning routine, what you do, why it's important, and how all of us listening today can get a little bit more intentional in how we treat our mornings. Yeah. So I love that you asked this because I actually, you know, I think it's so important and it's been a huge life changer for me, but it is also something that has changed so much because my life has, as all of us do, like our lives have different seasons. Right. And so I want to start with that, with this is what it has looked like for me or why I think it's important, but it might look totally different for someone else. The most important thing is just the idea that you have something to start your day that is, I don't know, setting it up. Whether you're a planner and you need to start your day with a planner and set up, you know, a to do list or a question of like, what would make this day great? What are the most important things that I need to get done today? You know, that's an intentional way to start the day. Or whether you need to get up before your kids because uh, you need that quiet and time alone. I know I'm an introvert. Waking up before my daughter has been the biggest life-changing thing for me. And there are seasons where I have not done it. And I'm okay. Like in those seasons, that sometimes I have to come to the place of realizing like, this is just how it is right now. But I'm trying to get back to the place where I'm at my best, which is when I'm waking up before her. But some people, that's not. Some people, it's like, I I know I um, talked to a friend who says, waking up in like a pile with my kids on top of me, basically, because they've woken me up is my favorite way to start the day. So I think that just being intentional about thinking, what is going to set your day up well? What's going to set you up so that you're not waking up and just throwing yourself into the day that's a the an intentional start to your day. I I just want to want to note that like this year, this past year has been full of so many changes. And so if you feel like how how in the world can I get a consistent morning routine? Just choose one or two things that would set up your day intentionally, whether that's just like a question or two that you write write out or a list that you make or a cup of coffee that you give yourself 10 minutes while your kids are playing or before your kids wake up to sit and make it and like, I don't know, gather your thoughts, whatever it looks like. That's what an intentional morning is for you. It's just choosing what few things would help me set up my day. I love that. And I must say that (laughs) 
getting my morning routine right was one of, if not to be honest, the only success so far of 2020 going into 2021 quarantine. I used to be the mother who woke up when the kids woke up and that's because I hate mornings and I like my sleep. <laughs> but pretty soon into quarantine, maybe like maybe mid-April, I realized that I need time to myself. I Who knows how long social isolation is going to go on. And if I am going to get time to myself, I'm going to have to wake up before them because at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. And so my morning routine has definitely evolved over the past year. But now it starts actually the night before. I am a big list person. I need to like cross things off, physically cross them off my list. And so at night, the night before, I make a list of what needs to get done the next day. I am now in the habit of waking up to a quiet house when everybody else is sleeping. I make my coffee. That's an intentional routine for me. I empty the dishwasher in the peace and quiet. And it's really, it sounds kind of... um I don't know, hokey, but it's really about me like getting myself geared up and ready <laughs> for the day. And I totally agree with what you said that for different people, different morning routines work. So the end goal isn't about making your coffee and emptying the dishwasher like I do, perhaps. Maybe it's just about finding whatever it is that's going to mm, set you up to be the best version of yourself for the coming day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because like like you said, it's not the end goal is not for your morning routine to look like someone else's. And you know, while you're going through the process, like if you're thinking, I need to get my mornings right, like I need to get my mornings better, because it really it it is. It's a set point for the day and like a launching point for the day. You know, you might try what other people do. And that's how I started. I started with the Miracle Morning by Hal Hal Elrod and I would suggest that as like a good starting point for sure. If you, it's kind of overwhelming. There's like a lot of pieces to it. So, but it, it helped me start waking up earlier. Cause I was kind of motivated. Like I'm going to try this. I would wake up a full hour earlier than normal. And it goes through, um, you know, it's, you can easily look it up and find the steps. I don't have them in front of me cause I don't do them anymore, but it was like, you know, at least 10 minutes of movement and, uh, journaling and, a bunch of other things like like affirmations, things like that. And now, you know, I don't do that. I I love working out, but I do it later in the day. Um, I I do mostly just spend my mornings like making coffee and quiet. And I journal and I look at my planner for the day. I have a journal that I go through that I created as well, which is called Simple Morning Lists. And it goes through like five lists that I start my day with that I found to be really impactful. And it's gratitude and affirmations and um, a surrender list and just like kind of setting yourself up for the day with what's the one most important thing of your day. Uh, so I go through that and then I start to think of just what my work day is going to look like. Sometimes I have things that I need to do last minute before I start teaching. So I do those things. And that might sound to someone like, well, that would be really stressful to me because I don't like journaling. And also why would I think of work that early in the morning? But for me, that's what works. So it's, 
And for me, and like thinking of yours, doing the dishes first thing in the morning, I'm like, well, I would wake my daughter up. And also if I did that, so it's so individual for each person. And that's why I say like, try some things if you don't even know where to start that other people do and look at YouTube videos of other people's morning routines if you want to, or podcasts, but then start to think of what's actually going to help you feel ready for this day. Mm. My next question to you has to do with distractions. I mentioned earlier that I'm a big list maker, list follower. If it's on the list, it's going to get done. But moving past the morning and into the meat of the day, I feel in my own personal life that there's just so many distractions that are pulling me in a hundred different directions. And so even though I have the list, even though I'm intentional about what is going to get done that day, I feel as though there are so many other, I guess, minutiae that also threaten to derail me. What are your best tips for people like me who want to live that life of purpose, but feel like there's just so much noise in daily life that they have trouble steering the course? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I definitely like fall victim to the distractions too, as well living more intentionally is acknowledging that first and knowing that it's happening and then, you know, moving forward from there and deciding, okay, well, what are the distractions and how can I begin to eliminate them or lessen them because some of them can't be fully eliminated. Uh, For me, I think that it starts in the morning with reflecting on again, like that idea of, okay, what's most important for today. If I can just pick, like one or two things to accomplish. And then also I like to write out, like I said, kind of like the affirmations and also a purpose statement of just reminding myself of what's most important to me. For me, it has to deal with the impact that I can have in my career, on my students, and also through podcasting, but mostly in my family. And so I try to remind myself of that so that in the morning, not that it's perfect throughout the day, just because I wrote that down. But it's just kind of a reminder, like starting with that morning routine. But then throughout the day, just two quick tips that help me. My mind is um, one of those that kind of just go all over the place all day. And I could be on one task and think that I'm super focused, but then all of a sudden be scrolling on my phone or all of a sudden, I'm remembering, oh, I need to like, call the hairstylist to schedule a haircut for my daughter. I don't know. Just think of random stuff that's on my to-do list, infiltrates, just like you were saying, all the distractions of the things that we need to get done in a day. So two things that help me with that. Like I said, one of the major distractions for me is my phone and social media and being someone who creates content. That's part of it. But also I will scroll and look at other people's stuff and consume content as well. And there's just, I, I've realized that, you know, it's okay to enjoy that, but I have to set time for that. So the only way that I can get rid of that distraction fully is to delete the apps off my phone. And I will do it multiple times per day if I have to. That is one of my biggest tips if that is a distraction. And I'm sure it is for a lot of people that are listening is social media or any other apps on your phone, news apps, anything like that. It is tedious. It is annoying to delete it and then reinstall it later when you want to give yourself that time. But if you're finding it being such a distraction for you, it's one way to keep yourself away from it. Because although you could 
say, you know, just reinstall it when you want to distract yourself again, that act of having to like look for it on your phone and realizing it's not there is a great way to put yourself back on track to what you meant to be focusing on. The second thing is the Pomodoro method. Have you heard of that? No. Okay. What I like to use, it's on my computer. You can find it online. It's called the tomato timer. But basically, this is a time management method that gives you um, 25 minute chunks to focus on one task at a time. So say I am, you know, needing to create content for a podcast, or I'm lesson planning. These are two things that I do, you know, throughout the week. I am going to focus on one of those tasks for as long as you know, I set for myself. Maybe I say, I'm going to dedicate the next two hours of my workday to lesson planning. I'm going to use the Pomodoro method because it gives you 25 minute chunks to work and then it gives you five minute breaks. So it, if you look up the tomato timer online, you'll that's just the one that I use. It's really simple and minimalist and it's easy to use. Um, you just ask for, you know, your 25 minute work block. You press begin and it times you for 25 minutes. It gives you an alarm when that 25 minutes is up. And the idea is that you are focused on only that task for 25 minutes. No email that's coming up, no going to check your mail at home, no um, no putting dinner in the crock pot, whatever else that might distract you throughout the day. And then you get a five minute break. So during that five minute break, you can you know, do those things that typically distract you or get up and take a five minute walk around your house so that you are moving your body and ready to sit down and be undistracted on whatever task it is again. So those are just ways that I am like that's specific to a work day, having me less distracted in my work day. Maybe you don't have like tasks that you need to focus two hours on at a time. When it comes to that, deleting social media apps might still be helpful. If you stay at home with kids and you want to focus more on doing stuff around the house or taking like just making sure that you're present and watching your kids play or I don't know, homeschooling them or doing things with them and being less distracted by your phone. That's just such a great way to lessen the distractions in life in general. I am obsessed with those tips. Thank you so much. I will link it to the tomato method or the tomato timer, I believe it was called in this week's show notes. Thank you so much. I'm going to try it and I'm going to report back. (laughs) It's honestly the only time management method that's ever worked for me because I am such the type of person that procrastinates and uh, gets distracted. So it it works for me. I love it. (sighs) Thank you so much. Desiree, where can my listeners find you and your podcast? Yeah, so you can find me um, at DesireeEndries.com. So that's my first name, last name, .com. Uh, I am on Instagram at life underscore with intention. I just feel like it's not the easiest thing to search. But if you if you search with intention, you'll probably find me. And then my podcast is at with intention. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can search with intention. And uh, you can also find that on my website as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show and cheers to a life rooted in intentionality. I love it. Thank you so much for having me on. It was so fun to talk. I so hope you enjoyed my chat with Desiree Endress of the With Intention podcast. I have linked to her. I have linked to 
the resources she mentioned in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 168. Now, a quick piece of housekeeping. If you are listening to this show at or near release date, please join Simplicity Coach Rose Lounsbury and I for a live and free Q&A webinar this Thursday, February 25th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Now, on this podcast, every week I do my absolute best to answer the questions I think you have as they relate to minimalist and eco-friendly living. But on this live webinar, you will have that chance to actually ask me the questions you really do have. So I'm really excited to be participating in this webinar for all of you. If you can't make the live webinar, but you want the replay, go ahead and sign up via the link in this week's show notes, and the replay will be sent to your inbox. And by the way, I will say it one more time for the people in the back, this webinar is completely free. On next week's show, we are discussing everything you need to know about cloth diapering. It's a Cloth Diapering 101 episode where we're first debunking all those myths that are out there about the practice, as well as talking about what you should buy, how you do it, etc., etc. I will see you then. Have an amazing week and take care, my friends.